All right, welcome back, fellow bingers and bickerers. In the spirit of Halloween, Dan and I have put together a Halloween special, but not like, you know, Mike Myers stabbing people to death. Halloween no, the, the holiday Halloween, like, um, you horror, know, a, a, horror horror, a horror celebration, uh, like all your favorite Halloween uh, or all your favorite shows or uh not really movies, but well, sometimes movies. Like Disney Channel was huge when we were kids on Halloween uh, movies with the Halloween towns. Uh, but Charlie Brown had a Halloween special where he just gets a rock instead but, of candy, and then uh, you know all, all the cartoons they they normally have. A, but uh, that's Halloween not what special. we're doing. <laughs> no, we're talking about other stuff. We're yeah, not, we're not getting rocks. Before we butcher this any further, don't forget to like and subscribe. Hit that bell notification so you can get uh, instant access to all of our content. Sound? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we'll just roll into our first topic, which is we have on the board right here, which we just put crudely scariest, <laughs> the scariest motherfucker. motherfucker. Which I that could boil down to a movie character or some type of creature or entity, just whatever the fuck scares you Mm -hmm. more than anything else. Because sometimes, you know, horror movies on repeated watching aren't as scary. No. They're one of the genres that are most spoiled by by rewatch. Definitely. I, I think, like, a majority of the genre itself, like, plays into, um... You know, you watching it uh, for the first time with all those jump scares. And some of those jump scares are still going to get you, like, most of the time. But, like, you know, once the illusion of, you know, surprise and whatnot and first-time viewing is gone, then it kind of loses its luster. Yeah, the, the, twi- the just the big twist, whether right. it's The Shining or, the, or Seven or something like that. So, who's your scariest motherfucker? My scariest motherfucker to this day... And it's hardly in the horror genre whatsoever. But this, like, every time I see this... I think I know where this is going. It scares the shit out of me. It certainly scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, but it still scares me now. Like, I th- I just think it's unnecessarily fucking creepy. And, and I, like, I, I don't understand what the, you know, what the, um, you know, the allure of it is. It, it, it's E.T. Yeah, I know. I knew it. When we were prepping for the episode, and you're and you were saying mine's kind of funny, I w- I didn't think, and then once you started talking, I was like, I know exactly what he's gonna say. <laughs> okay, it's ET, and here's why. Okay, the first like three minutes of ET, where like they're playing the scary music and like the purple like opening credits are like on the screen, and you don't like see ET, like you see them. Like him or like his creatures from like afar, and it's just creepy, like lights, creepy, just elements of the film that just like scares the shit out of me, dude. And then like, and then like later on in the movie where like Elliot first meets ET, and like he's in like the shed in the back, and ET like yells, he's like, ah! like there's nothing cute about that. People think like ET is cute. E.T. is not cute. He is terrifying as shit. And I still, like, to this day, like, I don't really watch E.T. because he scares me. And that opening scene, like, is horrifying for children. And I don't think it should be watched. <laughs> I, I would like to chastise you, but 
when I was sc- I've seen E.T. once. Yeah. And I was kind of creeped out by it, too. I think I just saw it too young. There's definitely... S- there's def- it's not a horror sci-fi by no, any stretch, but no. he plays on it a little bit at the beginning. And I think there's a, ro- a ride at Universal mm-hmm. or something like that. I was even a little scared when I was on that ride. It's I like E.T. E. creeped me four, out, too. Like 4D, the ride, or something like that. Yeah. Like you're on like the bikes or something. I wouldn't say I have uh, P-E-T-S-D. <laughs> But that's stupid. P T E T S D. But I. D- he's creepy. Yeah. For sure. He's a he's a wrinkly asshole. Yeah. Um. Well, and then like just like not just him, but like also like the man with the keys, and like you never see his face, and like all of like the government like overtaking like Elliot's house, like all of that is terrifying to me. But E.T. like is like the source it's, of it all. And that first three minutes is just horrifying. I can't entirely shit on it because that movie's inspired a bunch of well, movies, right. like Super 8, Stranger Things, you know. I understand it's, the significance of it. I, I, under- I personally, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's terrifying. I, you know, it, it's, it's scary. All right. I wanted to give some, I mean, there's so many. There are a lot. All right. So... I know which one I'm taking now that you didn't pick them. My ru- the the Exorcist to this day is still pretty creepy. Yeah. The, the cross stabbing scene to the vagina is so gross. Mm. John Doe played by a real life rapist Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Although John Doe is not a rapist. No. Although the he's lust a scene murderer. is fucking gross. Yeah. yeah. Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. uh, great honorable mention. Both Mickelson and uh, Hopkins. Mm. Pennywise. It, Norman Bates, the Babadook, and Amy Dunn from Gone Girl. I would mention all of them. But I got to go with uh, Jack Torrance from The Shining. Uh-huh. Because any horror list you look at, The Shining is generally ranked number one for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it makes it even better that the movie was kind of shit on when it came out to tell you how wrong critics had it. They're like, this movie's not very good. Now it's considered the best ever. In large part due to Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance giving the ultimate descent into madness. And one of the few movies that every time I watch it, that sense of dread, the score, the slow burn, the performances, they all work so well. Uh, and speaking of, of haunting opening scenes, the, the music, the opening shot of The Shining is... it. Every time you hear that music, like it still freaks me out because, like, I know like what I'm about to watch. But like, instead of getting like creeped out like I do when I watch ET, like it's more of like a holy shit, like I gotta sit here and watch this. Like, um, I like I think Jack Torrance, like it, The Shining, doesn't lose its shine uh, on rewatch because like just the eeriness of like what happens in that hotel, the overlook is just so haunting. Cause you know, like just by the end of the movie where it's just like a a loop in time and everything like that, it's just crazy. You know what I noticed too on my most recent rewatch is his going crazy episode. It happens earlier than I remember. Mm -hmm. It's pretty, it's very early on where he's already fucking whipping the tennis ball at the wall and stuff. And I always thought it came towards the end, but it's, 
The scene where he's holding Danny in the bed and he's talking to yeah. him. The <sighs> fucking uncomfortable. So, like the end, like the end feels like it's very quick, but that like the whole like ending sequence, like night, is like about like an hour long or close yeah. to it. Like there's the fallout of the movie or like the falling actions of the movies t- take take place over a long period of time, but it's just so like something horrifying or or thrilling kind of happens in each yeah. moment leading up to the end of the film. I I would pick Jack too because he doesn't rely on special effects or gore to really be scary. It's no. all in the performance and in the dialogue and interactions between characters. And it's uncomfortable every time. I think that what The Shining does so well uh above, you know, kind of what the modern genre has turned into is like I feel like, I mean, we'll talk about this a little later, but um, I feel like psychological thrillers, like, don't, aren't made as much anymore. Um, And I feel like The Shining, you know, it does, like, it is like a horror film and and arguably the greatest of all time in that aspect. But, like, it's, the fact that it's, like, kind of more of a psychological thriller with horror aspects to it, like, makes it puts it on top of that list well that'll segue us into our next topic which is we're just going we're just talking about our favorite types of horrors which you have you have the slasher nowadays the indie horror which are very focused on carrying messages in the art of filmmaking maybe rather than putting jump scares out there you have the haunted house ghost stories if you want to throw noir in there you can suspense thriller am i missing any others um let's see creature feature sci-fi horror i think those are the those are the other two i meant to mention what would you say well i i think the psychological thriller is is probably in terms of recurring like it's definitely like one of the ones that like if i'm able to leave and i'm kind of like psychologically like kind of like fucked you know, <clears throat> and it doesn't rely on like jump scares or any of the typical like notes of you know horror movies. You know where it's coming. You know, you know, you know the beat. Of exactly. The scare. Yeah. Then I can leave with a positive experience, like of watching, you know, any other type of uh, of film. And um, I don't think you see as many of them nowadays. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the horror genre, so like if there are more, like I might just not have seen them because like I'm not. I'm not leaving my house to go right. pay and see horror movies necessarily. Um, but, like, I think one of the uh, Gerald's Game, which is an adaptation of a Stephen King book, uh, got released on Netflix a couple of years ago. And I think this, like, that fits into the category of, like, yeah. a psychological thriller for sure. Because, like, it's just a woman who gets handcuffed to a bed. Uh, her and her husband, like, are on some, like, you know, honeymoon vacation whatever and uh he handcuffs her to the bed um and they're about to get like romantic and then he fucking has a heart attack and dies and she's handcuffed to the bed and she's kind of just left there with her thoughts and like you're left there with her thoughts as well and you know with that being like a netflix movie like it was really pretty well done for for what they were doing and i enjoyed i i was surprised that i enjoyed it but it does come from the mind of Stephen King, and he does kind of do a lot more psychological it's, stuff than the jump yeah. scares. But, like, you know, 
I mean, I think that came out in like 2016, maybe 17. Something, something like that. And the, the degloving scene yes. in that movie is very gross. The director of that movie, Mike Flanagan, has also done the Haunting series on Netflix, which are also mm-hmm. excellent. Uh, he's done another movie called Hush. He did Doctor Sleep. So he's kind of become a horror maestro as of late. So he cool. also added to that movie being very good. I would agree with the psychological horrors. Basically anything David Fincher touches, which is like yeah. Zodiac, Seven, Gone Girl, uh, Panic Room. All of his are kind of my cup of tea when it comes to horror because they're, they, they carry that really – they're just so tough to watch. Like you gotta, yeah. you feel like you gotta take a shower after watching them, right? And they will keep you up. A good, I do love a good haunted house story, but they've also been there's so many bad. Ones. They've been done. There's yeah. so many bad ones. Slashers, eh, I can forget about them. I've kind of grown to really appreciate the indie indie horror movies. I also really like. Well, that's that, like the the. Oh, the I, that's what I was gonna say. Psycho horror. The Lighthouse, starring Willem Dafoe and Pattinson, is also uh, falls under that category. Yeah. I think, um, like, The Babadook counts as, like, the, the indie horror yeah. kind of film, right? It, I mean, that, some of these cross over, too. Right. And, uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, horror does have, you know... I mean, fucking E.T. has horror elements. You know, you're going to find, like, these crossover elements across, you know, uh, films. But, like, The Babadook... Um, I feel like movies made kind of like that over the last couple of years, like it, they've really kind of overtaken the genre, yeah. um, without a doubt, whether they're foreign or they're from independent filmmakers, uh, here. And, you know, I, I think of like, uh, the movie mama, like, uh, came out probably around 10 years ago. Like the movies kind of like that where, you know, you could tell it was kind of made with like this artsy kind of message behind it. I do, I can get along with those, but like, I feel like the glimmer of that, as we've talked about, like after first watch, you know, um, you can understand why, like it it might be like a better film than most horrors or, or, uh, most films kind of underneath the umbrella of the horror genre. Um, but I, I still feel like they're part of like kind of the oversaturation problem in these films as well. The, what I really have grown to appreciate about them, whether it's the Babadook or it follows, um, hereditary, yeah, hereditary. Yeah. Uh, the lighthouse, the witch, what I've really grown to like about these movies is how much of a debate they spark. Mm-hmm. They're indie movies and not everyone sees them, but they become popular because of word of mouth because some people are like, holy There's shit, like that was revolutionary. There's fucked up scene yeah. in like all of those two. And yeah. the one in Hereditary, like still like... That's what I... That, to me, that's good <laughs> horror when you can look back and yeah. pinpoint something that happened. I've I've grown to really appreciate those, I, and I kind of I think they've pumped some juice into the genre going forward. So yeah, I might I might go with the with the indie horror, but they kind of splice together all the forms. But I mean, this and isn't that we're not doing we're not doing fucking science here. Along along the sides of thriller as well, um, you do have noir films, and um, 
like noir films are obviously like most popular really in you know the 40s 50s i mean you think of classic black and white noirs but like the neo noir when you get um you know your chinatowns all the way to today when you have your drives and your yeah. and your place beyond the pines uh kind of films you know like i i think this is where like horror aspects like can survive i think kind of a dark mystery tale um with like mystery thrilling aspects uh that kind of keep keep eyes glued to the screen for two hours like i think you know more films need to be made like that i think the noir is is you know i, I mean one of the better aspects and better genres of film and I know they've they, they come they pop up here and there with like callbacks to the original noir genre, and they don't necessarily have to have like the horror well, elements. They're disguised because black and white doesn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And you just have to they they get disguised under you know I mean having color, but then also like you know having to play with cinematography and and. Um, you know, storytelling aspects so that they're not like the same old like detective, femme fatale, yeah. like all of these things. Um, but I think like not always like the horror elements come up with it, but normally like a good like crime noir uh, in modern days like does have like these thrilling aspects that outbeat horror for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I would say that there's some discomfort in a lot of those movies that certainly is better than some of the fucking movies like the nun or annabelle 12 well you mentioned gone girl like that could be considered uh a noir in, in oh, some aspects sure. I, and, I, I would, I would and so. you know yeah. like that is just kind of you know you do have like uh there's one scene the bedroom, where, scene? The bedroom yeah. scene that's really fucked up and you have like that aspect of like a horror but really it's a it's a mystery thriller noir film um and gone girl is fucking fantastic if yeah. you haven't seen it go check it out so our next segment then is we're going to do one overrated and one underrated horror movie. And of course, as always comment your opinions below. Yes. We like hearing your guys' opinions. Yeah. We don't like hearing our own voices. So <laughs> I'll kick this one off. Okay. I hate Paranormal activity. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because paranormal I never activity, got into those. The the first one is fucking dumb to begin with. It's like, oh, it's found footage like Blair Witch Project, which is way better. Yeah. But they're they're like, oh, it's found footage. It's it's really scary. I, I remember I was always when I was younger a scaredy cat when it came to horror movies. And I watched that one and I was like, this is stupid. And then it proceeds to make I don't know, like five or six sequels. And I think it is just the epitome of the horror genre at its worst. One movie makes a lot of money and is okay. Mm -hmm. in, in this case, this one's not even good. <laughs> and they proceed to just fucking milk that count. I know that's the industry, but they get so lazy and cheap. And I just... It's annoying. Yeah. I, they, they, it's the first one I don't even think deserved follow-up movies. And everyone just talks about the ending where I think it's the, the, oh, she kills the husband. Like, 
okay, that's your big fucking moment in a horror movie? That happens a, the, basically a fucking quarter of the way through most of them. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think like, the the found footage aspect of that is what make what made them kind of like popular because like people thought it was fucking real but like <laughs> but cuz like i remember like the, com- like the door closes the, the commercials for paranormal activity were like they'd have like the the audience reactions like as part of like the trailers and the in the commercials and that completely sold these movies which are utter garbage and you know i, I look back at at Blair Witch, and I mean, I wasn't old enough to to experience this myself, but my parents like told me that like the way that Blair Witch was was marketed was insane, and mm-hmm. without without the internet, without uh, you know Twitter, all of these things that could like debunk whether or not this is real now. They like the kids in the movie like didn't show up to the premiere. They they like they said yeah. they were dead and that this actually happened and like this was kind of the premiere like found footage movie. Um and I mean they pulled that off big time and like the ending of it is crazy. Uh and like that movie kind of started almost the modern horror kind of and not necessarily like uh, the entire like horror scene but like I mean, without Blair Witch, you know, you don't have paranormal activity. Um, So, like, you know, paranormal activity kind of couldn't do what uh, Blair Witch did because, like, you know, we're in the internet era and it can easily be debunked as fake, but also just it's not as it it's not done as well. The atmosphere in Blair Witch is awesome, and the 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 kids are like good actors. Yeah, so they sell it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer. Paranormal activity is very overrated. And I mm-hmm. m- my vitriol comes because it spawns <laughs> so many shitty sequels. Yeah. Um, I think... I'm going to say Halloween because I think Michael Myers is stupid. Um, and, okay, call my opinion on uneducated but i haven't seen all the halloween sequels because i don't f- fucking want to or, or i feel like I, I i need to and if you're a fan of these films and you've watched all of them and say like no there's like an underlying plot and there's a point to why like jamie Lear curtis is coming back to do it at fucking like 70 or whatever she is well this is what happened fine. This but, is what like happened. i don't i don't i think him walking slow in his blue jumpsuit yeah. like I, I just think it's all dumb this is what happened the theme song's this lit but i think the movie's dumb this is what happened <laughs> Is they did the sequel, uh, they did the first one, and I'm pretty sure they they did the the um, one that just came out a couple years ago. Yeah, as they scratched all the other movies and were like, "This is the sequel." And I will say this: I'm a big fan of John Carpenter's first one. And I think the newest one is actually the second best one okay. in the franchise. It's it's actually a pretty decent horror okay. movie. The rest of them though are booty. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 with you there. Well, it's like how am I, you know? And I'm I'm not a horror fan, so like I probably won't ever sit down and watch these these movies. But it's like why, 
you know, like, why did it take to, like, the fourth or fifth one to come out, like, a couple years ago, you know, to go back and, like, retcon the others and, like, be, like, the real sequel? And that's why, you know, it's like there's so many sequels in the horror genre. And I, you know, I feel like Halloween is, like, and, and, you know, if there is a good sequel out there, like, I'm glad that it does have that. But, like, the two or three that, like, bridge those, I feel like are part of the reason why, you know, every horror has to have a, a sequel now. And, you know, you get to the oversaturation of the genre and you get to, you know, all, like, if you go to, like, the worst movies of all time lists, I know IMDb's in particular, all of, like, the bottom ones are all horror movies. And that's, the, and I feel like that's why. The Halloween franchise I would defend before Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. That's just me. But I, th- I like, me I, with Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday it the- has cool, like, groundbreaking imagery, kind of. And for special effects, it did... Nightmare on Elm Street is Freddy, Freddy. and it yeah. does some. It does. It has some pretty gross imagery in it. But outside of that, I think like it's fucking stupid. Like this guy like comes doing your dreams and kills you, and he wears a glove and he's all burnt. I don't know. I just I think those are a little corny, but it it's the horror genre. You're gonna have ones you like and yeah. dislike. So we'll move to underrated. Okay. This one's hard. I know. There's a few I thought of. I thought of Prisoners, mm-hmm. which again, it's one that teeters on. It's more of a of a suspenseful thriller, not necessarily a. Stri- Actually, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That was my next. I'm getting my topics mixed up here. Underrated. Have you ever heard of a movie called Bone Tomahawk? I've definitely heard of it, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah. So this proves my point a little bit. Is it is a Western horror. And I believe the director's name is S. Craig Zoller. But he's become kind of like this grindhouse maestro, and his movies are always really gory. But this movie is a – it stars Kurt Russell, Richard Jenkins, Patrick Wilson, and Matthew Fox. And there's like – Patrick Wilson is in every movie. I, I think at least in this genre, yeah. like, like you know Patrick Wilson. Oh, especially you, in horror. You yeah, might, you might, he, you yeah. might not know Patrick Wilson, but you know Patrick Wilson's face because he's in all of these movies. I swear to God, just he's look the, him up. He's the man. Yeah, he's but, awesome, yeah. and I, I love like somebody on Twitter like a month ago was just like, I don't know who this MF is, but he's famous. And then like Patrick, like Patrick Wilson quoted it, and he's like, "Shit, they're on to me." <laughs> That's funny. So the movie is about this cannibalistic gang that's or not gang, cannibalistic like tribe that starts preying on these simple townsfolk and a couple of the people get together to go rescue Patrick Wilson's wife while also maybe taking out the tribe and it is really slow burning. The acting is really good, and the kills in it are fucking nasty. Like so, so gross. They yeah. they it is really embodies the wild west, and it does not try to just be like boom, you're dead. It's like with like whether it's scalping or like disemboweling people. <laughs> it is so violent. That's my and, kind of violence. And this is what I'm saying is there's a couple <laughs> of scenes in that movie that I can point to, and I was like that freaked the fucking shit out of me. Yeah. So. Very effective movie, and if you haven't seen Bone Tomahawk, I, I definitely recommend it because it's, it's, 
it's a different type of horror, but it's very effective in what it does. And I love that it's a Western because I feel like that's a genre that could use a little more horror. Okay. Mm. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, came out in 92. Um, it's not necessarily like a horror film, but it kind of has like old school like horror elements to it. To Gary, like the Nosferatu, get like Gary Oldman plays uh plays Dracula. Keanu Reeves is in it. Um, just good. Like it's a, it's a good movie. I think, I think I think it's pretty underrated. Um, but like it fits in with like the time, unless you're reading like the Dracula novel or you're you know in a Halloweeny mood this week which you should be, um, then, like, it's a decent watch. Uh, <sighs> what about it's scary? Or, like, maybe makes it a little underrated? I think, like, the uh, to, to have, like, Dracula be in, like, a modern film without it being, like, stupid is really well done. I see what you, like, Van Helsing or something Right, like and, and, like, you know, I feel like a lot of, like, the vampire movies as of late you know have kind of been dumb and you know either really hollywood or really just overzealous with special effects and i I, um i think dracula is not only uh really well done as an adaptation of the book um i think like the the versions of the characters are really well done and like there are some scenes where like Gary Oldman's, like, Dracula is, like, really fucking fast because, like, that's one of Dracula's powers. Like, it, it's kind of creepy. Um, Gets you a little... Yeah, it's just jittery. like, whoa, shit, yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's, like, scenes in the dark, scenes with blood, all, all that kind of yeah. stuff, but it's good. But I'm not going to... Good Halloween one. Yes. But I'm not going to go with that. I'm going okay. to <laughs> go with... Um, 180. Yeah. I'm going to go with... Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, and it's because, you it's know, movie. it's, I feel like it still gets, like, that cult follower kind of vibe to it, and it's like, I feel like people don't sit down and watch it because it is freaky looking, and there are, like, creepy, um, you know, stop motion animation about it, but, like, it's a really well done film with a lot of heart to it and i i really enjoy it like and it's taken me to become like an adult tech because when i was a kid i was like this is kind of freaky i you know why is it on in october october and uh december and tim burton i mean everybody knows tim burton he's a weird fucking guy he makes weird movies so uh the nightmare before christmas i think at surface level like yes it is very creepy looking um you know the the songs are creepy. The the characters in it are are creepy looking. Oogie um, <clears throat> yeah, Oogie Boogie's the villain. I I would say he's probably the least creepy part of the movie. I think it's just like the Halloween yeah. Town like folks, like the fucking like snake people and all of these <laughs> things, like that are just kind of like background characters. Like they're creepy, um, but I think like. I think it's more of a Halloween movie than a Christmas movie for sure, and I think it like it is underrated um, because I feel like people like know it, but they haven't seen it, and uh, it's definitely worth the watch, and it's a really well-done movie, and I think it's definitely underrated, and it should be recognized more for just its characters. It should be it recognized is, as like a really well-done movie. It is the perfect movie for parents to introduce their kids to horror movies. I would say so. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. Or E.T. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. 
our next topic is surprisingly scary, which is basically a movie that's not meant to be a horror necessarily, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I assume that yours wasn't going to change. Yeah. Um, well, let me think, because I don't want to just have this be the E.T. episode. Um, oh, uh, Titanic. Titanic is not a romance story. It's a fucking horror film, okay? Like, th- there's nothing romantic about that movie to me. Everybody dies. Except for Kate Winslet and Billy Zane. But holy shit, that movie's terrifying. Like, I legitimately have a fear of of open water and boats because of this movie. Yeah. So, like, to me, actually to any rational person, like, if you watch that, your first activity shouldn't be, let's go on a fucking boat. It's terrifying. My parents are going on a cruise, I think, next year or something, and I'm like, I still think of Titanic. Yeah. Boats sink, man. Kind of ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm actually scared of boats I'm, and water because of that man. movie. So, like, yeah, like I think unintentionally scary because, like, I feel like, you know, like people are like, oh, it's such a sweet story and the, and the, in the song and like the, you know, in the Leo. Leo dies. Everybody dies. Everybody drowns. There's, Bodies floating in the water. There's water fucking bursting through windows and shit. The dumb captain goes down with the ship like an asshole. Like, it's terrifying. Like, the band chooses to play. Uh, yeah, fuck that movie. I, I th- that, movie's <laughs> that movie freaks me out, man. I thought of Gyllenhaal's Nightcrawler. It's actually pretty creepy. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it, the sound, the, what the story sounds like doesn't presented as creepy but it actually is when you're watching it mainly because his character is just a fucking weirdo yeah but i'm not going with that the first time i saw the hateful eight i was sweating really yes i was so captivated by that movie because it becomes very bloody and 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 tarant and glorious tarantino but the suspense in it but the first half of that movie i remember being like oh yeah Ooh. And th- this kind of furthers that a little bit is the s- some of the songs that are used by Ennio Morricone were original for The Hateful Eight. But he also used some of his old songs from The Thing, which is one of the great sci-fi horrors of all time. Yeah. So it, it, he intentionally made it a little scary. He also himself, Tarantino, said... The two he doesn't know if he he'll ever do a horror movie, but the closest he's come is the Manson segment on the ranch in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was and, creepy and too. And the Hateful Eight. And yeah. I th- first half of the Hateful Eight, I was legitimately like really on edge. And I rewatch you obviously know what happened, so that lessens a bit. But that that initial viewing, I was definitely Sweating bullets the, more than I do. In the music is definitely one of the bigger aspects as to why, because um, like I, you know, like it's been it's been a decent amount of time since I've rewatched that, but the music still like, mm-hmm. you know, shivers. Yeah, like it's cold. Yeah, it's it's very cold. It, it, it's it's dark. It's unknowing, um, and that yeah that that, that definitely boosts uh, that film. I feel like one of the one of the uh, the better aspects of the Hateful Eight 
Um, like one of the positives to me, if I was like reviewing that film, I'd be like, the music is fucking horrifying. Won, a, won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Morricone. Yeah. He he just passed this year, I think. Yeah. What was he like? Ninety uh, something when he won that Oscar, and I think he was eighty-eight or something. He was fucking old. old. What a badass. Yeah. Uh, he's also done. You know, the, if you guys don't know, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. A lot. All the all the Leon movies. Yeah. Just fucking everything. All right. That'll bring us to our final topic which is untapped potential. And what this means is basically for the horror genre to survive, the horror genre is not going away. We both know that. Mm -hmm. But what are some areas going forward that it could maybe tap into to pour some juice into the franchise that isn't just the horror movie or Jordan Peele and Mike Flanagan carrying it (laughs) on their back? What would you say? Well, I think I've already mentioned like a longing for like noir films um and i know that the genre still exists i know that like thriller noirs like still exist in the modern world but like you know i mean this gets this is pretty niche but like you and i took a a noir film class in in college and then like uh one of the uh, of our projects in that class was to like go and watch like an unknown like noir film and uh, uh there's this movie i watched like called 99 river street and like you know i mean it, it, unless you were born in like the 40s or 50s and like pay attention to kind of old school actors like relatively unknown people um but like i really enjoyed that movie and like i feel like those noir films were being like pumped out at like a crazy rate uh back then and i feel like you know the the general quality even of this unknown noir film that i watched like the quality of like a like the horror version in the modern era of like 99 river street is I don't know, Paranormal Activity 3 or whatever, you know? I just feel like, you know, I mean, we do live in the in the time of sequels and adaptations, and there's nothing that, you know, there's nothing that can really change that uh, because those are those are what are making money and those yeah. are what what is coming out. But, like, I, I guess I long for, like, you know, you can make a story about uh, a murder still or a, a femme fatale or, uh, you know, a, a, a mystery and still have it hit, you know, and still have it be successful in uh, the the modern era. And, you know, I, I think Drive, um, starring Ryan Gosling, I think it's the most underrated movie of the 21st century. But, like, that movie, yeah, it's not like a horror. Definitely. It has <laughs> elements, though, with the kills. A neo-noir thriller that has like horror elements. I think that's how the horror genre survives is films like that. And, you know, I think like the jump scare movies are kind of, I mean, they're always going to sell. People are always going to go see them. It's like, go take a a girl to go see a movie and she's going to be all over you the whole movie because it's scary. That's going to sell all the time. So, you know, there's no getting rid of it, but, like, I wish to see more, like, psychologically thrilling mystery, like, noir films that have horror elements in them. Because I think for someone like me who who kind of refuses to go pay and see the horror sequels and, and doesn't really like to go see the horror movies in general, 
that's how you scare me. That's how you get me to think about your movie and have it sit with me. It is is like the psychological thrillers. Yeah, and there's plenty like you who just I've you know people out there who are just I dude, horror movies don't scare me. They're stupid. Yeah. But you need to find a different way, and that's kind of what we're talking about right now. I mentioned the western earlier. I th- you know I think that there's plenty of potential there. Outside of Guillermo del Toro, not a lot of people have tar- uh, tapped into the dark fantasy aspect. Like, I would love a really invested feature that's focused on, like, these small townsfolk that a, like, dragon fucking wreaks havoc on them. And it's not just a VFX movie. Like, it's more focused on, right. the, ter- on the terror that it, ca- it causes, like, Jaws, and, it- and the monster really scares you. But I'm going to go with war movies. 1917 had small elements of horror. Apocalypse Now does as well. But I can't think of Hacksaw Ridge. They have these elements of shock and awe that horror provides. But I would love to see one that's just like full on like a like a war horror movie. Maybe someone who gets separated from their unit. And, I, you know, I'm not the... I'm I mean, World War, World War I and Two is. I mean, Vietnam, just, just something in the jungle, in the yeah. jungle, and it's really focused on their psychology and things they're maybe imagining due to food deprivation or yeah. or even the, you know the enemy being scary. I just think that the the war genre has a ton of potential because it is already pretty, you know, tough to watch at times. And I feel like if someone really tackled it head on. I like that a lot. I mean, like the beginning of 1917, when they go into no man's land is like really fucking like when he puts his hand in the, yeah. in the guy's guts or whatever, like that was very horror esque, but it kind of does. Well, and like that as the movie them goes. and like the collapsing like tunnels and yeah. stuff like that's scary, yeah. you know? And that's like a real life it's horror. Um, just like that sense of, of claustrophobia and, even someone who, you know, um, someone who doesn't like horror films really like, uh, I'm, I'm a video gamer. The, the horror genre in video gaming is huge. People love them. Like Resident Evil's, like, they've kind of gone away from, um, being like a more like story game and they, they've, like the most recent Resident Evil was like a VR game and there's a lot of like VR horrors and... I hate to cut you off, but we are literally... Ticking to the end. Ah, uh, well, we are out of time. But yeah. horror, if you like, uh, you know, if you're not a fan of horror films, horror video games are an awesome future for the, uh, for the genre as well. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <clears> hit <throat> that like and subscribe. We are actually out of time. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Peace. Happy Halloween.